There is some, uh, there's a, a side of me that a lot of people don't always see because I'm on stage. But some of you might know that side, and especially if you've played any kind of board games or any kind of game for that matter, um, with me slash against me. Now, I am a fairly competitive person. Um, actually, like, I'm very competitive. And I like board games. I don't like a lot of them. I don't know a lot of them. But I do like games that are strategic. I like it when you have to, like, figure out stuff. You know, I don't just want luck. I don't just want to draw something and then hope I can win this. I like it if, I, if there's a strategy behind it and I can figure it out and I can work towards winning. And then I get super competitive. But I also don't like something that lasts too long. So one of my favorite games that I love is Texas Hold'em Poker. So I don't know all the pokers. There's a bunch of them. But Texas Hold'em is one that I specifically like and I love to play it. Just out of principle, I never played for money. But um, as a game, I love to play it. It's very strategic because you get your five cards. There's five cards. There's some on the table. And then you have to figure out whether your hand and what you can make from that is stronger than the other people sitting around the table. And then you've got a choice. Either you can play with what you have because you know it's strong, or you can bluff. You can pretend that it's a strong hand, but it's actually a weak hand. But even if I bluff, I do it very calculated. So I don't just play. I figure out, like, even if I bluff, I still need a good chance or a good reason for, for the fact that people will, will not figure out that I'm bluffing. So once, I don't lose in Texas Hold'em Poker, and I also don't lose in Monopoly. But once I was playing against my two brothers and Yulandi. So Yulandi is not like me. She's not a strategist. You know, She just kind of goes with the flow. So there's one thing where you can kind of almost cancel the whole game out, and that's when you go all out. So everyone gets a certain amount of chips, and they are worth different. And then you can either, every time there's something on the table, you can falter, you can say, I'm not going to play with you. Or you can say all out, and you just take all your money, and you put it in the pot. And then everyone is kind of like, they have to either bet against that, or they stay where they are. So Yolanda is just like, she doesn't get it. And she makes like the weirdest decision. So I, I know I'm going to win her, right? And then she pulls this one out of her sleeve. She's like, okay, all, all in. I'm going all in. And I'm like, oh, come on. Yolanda doesn't even know what she's going all in for. So I'm like, she's bluffing. I'll take you up on that bed because my hand is not too bad. And then suddenly when I showed my cards and Yolanda showed hers, guess what? She had a stronger hand than me. And for the first time, I was beaten in Texas Hold'em by my own wife who doesn't understand the game. And I was like... I want to scrap this rule of all in because someone who doesn't know this can win just by pure luck. And today what I want to do is I want to use this game, and you might not understand it completely. You can go and Google afterwards the rules of it. But I want to use this game of poker tonight where you have to decide how much you're going to put into every game. I'm going to use that as an example to talk about the way we follow Jesus and how much we decide in following Jesus, how much we're going to put into our journey with Jesus. So our topic tonight for part 10 of our series, this is our last part of the series, Marked by Love, and our topic tonight is going all in. So when I'm following Jesus, what does it mean if we say I'm going all in? And what we're going to do tonight is we're going to read two stories about people who went all in in different ways. And we're going to look at the ways that they did it and what we can learn from it. So, sorry, if you've got your Bibles here, please open to Mark 14. It will also be on the screen. I'm going to read from the New International Version. Mark 14. Jesus is just before he dies. 
he gets together with these disciples to, to enjoy a meal with them. And before this, um, this is not his last meal, but in this meal, certain stuff starts to happen. And if you continue to read now, Mark, this is where we're going to start. But from the next chapter in Mark, we get to the point where Jesus is arrested, Jesus is at the end of the day crucified, and then finally is resurrected from the dead. But we, we're going to stop our story right before the death of Jesus. So we're going to be reading from Mark. Mark is a gospel. It teaches us, it, it shows us about the life of Jesus. And in this series, what we tried to do is we said, we want to know who this Jesus was, what he did, what he said, and how it influences my life if I want to follow Jesus. So Mark 14, verse 3. Okay. While he, that's Jesus, was still in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. So Jesus was not lazy for reclining at the table. That's the way they would sit at a table. They didn't have a table and chair like us. They're like a little couch thing, and you would lie on your one shoulder, and that's how you would eat. The best part about it is your feet are in the face of the person next to you. So he gets like an extra whiff of whatever you walk through the day when he wants to eat. So Jesus was was reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, and a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. So alabaster jar was just like a jar that was made of gypsum, so like a, almost like a pottery jar. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on Jesus' head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages, and the money could have been given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured Perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. So they still didn't understand what Jesus was saying. But Jesus were already telling them that he's going to die soon. And he says, she was preparing me for my death. Truly, Jesus says in verse 9, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So that's what we're going to be reading today. And a little later, we'll get to a second part in Mark that was actually from a previous chapter that joins in with this. But what I want you to see is there's three groups of people in this story. And all three of them had a reason to be thankful towards Jesus. All three of them had a different kind of relationship with Jesus. So the first person we read about is Simon the leper. It is someone who had a skin disease. And because of that skin disease, he wasn't able to even see his own family. He was cast out of the city, had to stay outside the city walls. He had to live off food that people might, if they remember, put outside the walls of the city. We talked about that in the first week. And Jesus healed this man. So now this man is healthy, and he's got a lot of reasons to be thankful towards Jesus. So he invites Jesus into his house. He's like, Jesus, come and have a meal in my place. I want to spend time with you. I want your disciples and you to be comfortable. So, so they share a meal at his house, and what he does is he opens his doors to Jesus so that Jesus can now be with his family and his friends and everyone that for a long time he wasn't able to see. The second group of people, or the second person we read about, is this woman. In Mark, she's not named. But if you read in the other Gospels, 
In the Gospel of John, in John 12, we read about the same story, but there she's identified as Mary, and not, not his mother, another Mary. So she comes, and she goes to Jesus with a very expensive perfume that came all the way from the Himalayas, and she breaks open this jar, and she pours out all the perfume over Jesus. And then the last group of people we read about is the people who criticized her for doing it. And I'm going to talk about this later. But in John, the person who's got the biggest mouth is also named. And guess what his name was? Judas. The same Judas that betrayed Jesus. He's the one with the big mouth. Okay, so you can go and read it in John 12. But what I want you to see from this is, when it comes to relationship with Jesus... We've got an option to be one of these three groups of people. And what I want us to do tonight is to look at what this woman did, the woman with the oil, because she went all in. And I want you to see something specific. When she went to Jesus, so this is how it would work. They would lie down at the, ca- at the table, and then a slave would come and wash their feet, so, because their feet were all dirty from the road, and they, th- you don't want stinky feet in the person next to you in their face. So a slave would wash your feet, and then put a couple of drops of perfume on you so that you smelled good, that you didn't smell like the road. But she doesn't come when the other slaves came during the starter. She comes while they're already having a meal, and she doesn't put a couple of drops of, of perfume on Jesus. She takes the whole flask, and she pours it out over Jesus. But she doesn't just pour it out. This is the part I love. She takes it, and we read in verse 3 that she actually breaks the jar. And you know why that's significant to me? Because you can go with this jar with the intention to pour it out over Jesus. But the moment the oil starts dripping and you start realizing that every drop of this oil is about a day's wage. Because this price of this oil, where they say it was a year's wages, in the Greek it says 300 denarii. And one denarii was the wage that a person got for one day of working. So this is actually more than a year's wages. And every time a drop would drip, she could think like, whoa, that's one denarii, two denarii, three denarii. I'm now on a week's worth of work with this oil. So you know what? I guess that's enough for Jesus. I'm just going to tip it back up and I'm going to walk away with my oil while I still have something left. You see, that is what a lot of us do when it comes to following Jesus. So what we, we every single one of us in life are dealt certain talents Just as these chips in poker represent a value, so in poker it could represent money. I've never played for money. I've played for biltong, so every chip can represent a piece of biltong. But these chips represent a value. And in life, each one of us are dealt a certain amount of time, a certain amount of talents, a certain amount of skills, a certain amount of money. And we've got a choice what to do with it, but often we do this, we take this, whether it's your time, and you go like, I- I'm going to spend more time with God. So you start out really well. So on Monday, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to read my Bible a little bit, and, and that's a chip for Jesus, you know. And, but I'm going to continue going because I made a commitment that I'm going to follow after Jesus because I want my life to be changed. So the next day, I read my Bible again. I'm like, man, that's good. Two days. Wednesday, I read it again, and guess what? I go to community group, and afterwards, I drop someone off, so I feel it was a good day. But now I look at all those chips that I've been handing out and I'm like, man, that's a lot of stuff that I've been giving to Jesus. A lot of time, a lot of energy. So you know what? I think that's my share. I'm going to walk away with this. 
We all do it. We all start with good intentions when it comes to following Jesus. Whether it is our time that we give to God, whether it's our attention and our focus that we focus on God, whether it's our money that we give to God, it doesn't matter what it is about, but we all start when we say we want to follow Jesus, we normally all start with good intentions. The problem is we also, most of the time, don't follow through. She broke this flask so that she couldn't hold back. She, she didn't start counting this off. What she done is she said, I'm going all in, man. I'm just going to move all of this over there from the beginning so that Jesus has all of this and that I can't take anything back. All in. And Jesus said this about her. He said, she, she did a good thing to me. Do you realize that right after this, a couple of days later, Jesus would hang on a cross and people would spit on him and they would beat him for nothing just because they hated him, not because he did anything wrong. And this was one of the last good deeds that someone did for Jesus. You see, Jesus was always doing good deeds for other people. He was healing other people. He, he was changing lives. He gave people purpose. He gave people health. He gave people new meaning. But very little that he received back. And this woman came and she blessed him with this perfume. And if you actually read in John, it, she didn't only put this on Jesus' head, but she basically poured it out over his whole body. And that's what Jesus said. She prepared my body. And in John, we read that she even took her hair and she wiped his feet with her hair afterwards. He said, she did a good thing. Then verse 8, he says, she did what she could. You know what it means to go all in when we decide to follow Jesus? All in means that you're willing to give your best. Because having a relationship with God is not just, as we said last week, religious acts. Having a relationship with God is knowing Him, loving God, and knowing that He loves you back. You see, and when it comes to love, there's this recklessness that goes hand in hand with love. You know they often say that love is blind. Because we are a little reckless when it comes to love. Like I remember when I met you, Landy, a couple of months later, I'm not a big giver. If you've, if you've been to any of my sermons, you will hear that she's the giver, I'm the saver. Okay, so when I have to buy you a gift for Christmas or your birthday, I buy you something really simple or I make you something. And that first Christmas after I've met you, Lundy, I took a bunch of my money and I bought her this silver heart pendant that she still has today and she still wears it. And I was like, this is so much, but love is reckless, man. You go crazy for the people you love. A dad, when his family is in danger, when his kids are in danger, doesn't think like, who should I save or what should I do? There's a recklessness. You would jump in front of a bullet for the persons, for the people you love, right? There's a recklessness in love where we are willing to go way above and beyond what's expected to us. We don't think about it. We don't process it. We just act. There's a recklessness in love which refuses to count the cost. And when we truly love God, we need to have that recklessness, that boldness in us. They say, I'm not going to count the cost of everything. I'm not going to count off the time that I'm spending with God and, and the money that I've given to God's church and the amount of talents and the amount of people I'm helping. I'm not going to do that because I'm going to go all in. 
Because I love God. Because he loved me first. This woman went all in. And Jesus said, you know what she did? Not only did she did a good thing, but she did all she could. Could someone have done it better? Yes, I guess so. Instead of one jar, one alabaster jar, they could have brought two or three. Instead of pouring it out over his body and then wiping her hair with his feet, someone else might have brought a nice silk towel. Could someone have done a better job? Yes, they could. But Jesus said she did all she could. In another way, if we translate another way, you know what she did? She did her best. She gave her everything. But the problem is when it comes to Christianity, often we feel like I'm not enough. I'm not good enough to follow Jesus. I'm not good enough to be baptized. I'm not good enough to sit in church. I'm not good enough to lead a community group. I'm not good enough to sing in the band because I've got so many mistakes in my life. So many things in my life are not sorted out yet. I struggle with stuff, man. I struggle to give my time to Jesus. I struggle to to think about him or to keep my focus on him. There's so many issues in my life. How am I supposed to follow Jesus? And then we start doubting if we can even do it. And we back off, not because there's necessarily something wrong with the way we want to follow Jesus, but because we compare ourselves to other people. We compare ourselves to someone like Mother Teresa. And we're like, man, if I ever want to follow Jesus, I guess I have to become a missionary and go to a place where there's a lot of poor people and just serve them all the time. You know, because that's what it means. She was such a big Christian. I'm not. But just a couple of chapters back in Mark 12, there's another story of someone who gave it all. And in Mark 12, verse 41, we read this, that Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. So Jesus went to the temple and he was watching people that walked past this box where they would put their money for the temple in. And he's just, he's just sitting there and watching people putting money in. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two Very small copper coins with only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into this treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. See, often when we start comparing ourselves to other people, We feel like we're not good enough to follow Jesus. Or we feel like he can't love us. But what Jesus is saying, stop comparing yourself to other people. Because you are not other people. I'm not you and you are not me. And therefore we are not made the same and we cannot bring the same thing to the table. And Jesus doesn't want you to serve him the way I serve him. He doesn't necessarily want you to stand here every Sunday and preach. And he doesn't want me to serve the same way as, as Chris who's standing behind a camera. You see, he gave talent and treasure and money and time to all of us. And for all of us, the part that we get is different. And he doesn't want you to put in what I've put in. He wants you to put in what you can. He wants you to put in your best. See, But we look at someone who puts in these chips, the black chips. Normally worth a hundred, whatever you're playing for, a hundred pieces of a biltong. 
And you're like, man, if I had to do the white ones, that's like five. So I have to do 50 of these to even get close to this. And like, man, I just don't have that. I don't have that amount of time to follow Jesus. I don't have skills that good. You know, I can't even sing on, on tune. How am I supposed to follow Jesus? She's like, all I want from you. I don't want quantity. I just want your best. So stop comparing yourself to the way other people are following Jesus. Stop comparing yourself to the way other churches do it. Or the people on TV do it. And just say, what can I give to Jesus? But what is significant to me, giving your best doesn't just mean that you give the minimum amount. The minimum time. The minimum talents. This woman, this widow, gave all she had to live on. And she felt it. Where the rich people gave a lot, but they didn't feel it. Jesus like, they didn't even feel what they were giving. And what God wants you to give, He wants you to give something that you will feel. Because it's easy to say, I love my wife, but I just give her an hour a week of talking to her. That's not love. It's easy to say that I, I care about Pro Day or church, but you never see me except maybe I show up every Sunday to do a message, but I don't care about my people. You see, when we truly love, we're going to feel it. We're going to put in the time. We're going to put in the effort. We're going to do whatever we can, although it might cost me something. And that is how we know we're giving everything, is when you feel it, when you feel the time that you're spending with God, when you feel the money that you're giving to the church, when you feel it, that's when we know we're going all in. For the others that were sitting around that woman that poured out the oil over Jesus, for them, Jesus just wasn't worth the oil. That's a scary thing to say. They're like, what? why is she wasting all this oil on Jesus? Can you waste oil on Jesus? Just before his death is like one alabaster jar of 300 denarii. Is that enough? Or should it have been two or three or like a million jars of oil poured out over Jesus? This is Jesus. This is God in human form that came to earth to save us. Nothing could have been enough. But they looked at it and they're like, you know what? 300 denarii spent on Jesus is a little bit too much. So what's the difference between this woman and the other guys? What prevented them from going all in? And what might prevent us from going all in? So in verse 5, we read that someone said those words. This is too much. We could have given it to the poor. That guy we read in John is Judas. The guy who also kept the wallet for the group of disciples. The same guy, if you continue reading after these verses that we read today, guess what? He goes to the priest and he's like, if you will pay me, I will sell out Jesus. I will betray him. So when we read the story, we're like, that sounds good, man. He, he, just, he, was a, he, was a, he was just thinking about the poor people. He just wanted to feed them. I can assure you, he didn't really think about them. He was thinking like, how can I get a couple of those denarii in my own pocket? And I'm like, what prevents us from going all in when it comes to Jesus? You see, for Judas, 
His money was more important than Jesus. For someone else, the poor might have been more important to Jesus. For someone else, your car might be more important than Jesus. But this is what I've learned about life and about my own life. You see, what we often do is if this is the chips that I've been dealt in life, the talents and the time and the treasures, what I do is I normally start doing this. So I start thinking about the things I have to do. I have to be eight hours at work every day. You know, so there's a bunch of my time and my talents already gone to work. You know, and then there's some cool new series on Netflix that I have to watch, and that's going to take a couple of hours this week, so I'm just going to add that in as well. And you know what? I've got some friends I need to hang out with. I haven't seen them in a while, so I'm going to add that, and I still have some good time left, but I have to wash and polish my car, so I'm going to add this, and oh yes, I still have a wife, you know, I need to put her in there as well. And then um, I I haven't played golf this whole week, come on, man have to play golf, and that's what I'm left with. And then I'm like, God, oh yes, I actually care about Jesus as well. So God, take what is left of my life. Take what is left of my time. I know I've been tired this whole week and haven't spoken to you, but at least I've got five minutes before church starts. God, I know I haven't been thinking about you any time this week, but at least I came to church. God, I know I've been doing a bunch of stuff and none of it was expanding your kingdom in any way. But at least I'm here now. See, the problem is that other things are so important that we always put Jesus last on the list and we give him what is left. We give him what is left. Where does your chips go? Jesus gave his everything. He died on a cross so that you and I do not need to chase all these things because we hope so much that we can have happiness in our lives. We hope so much after I've tried all these things that I can feel fulfilled, that I can feel like I'm living my purpose. I hope so much that my life will get meaning. But Jesus died so that these things that keep leaving you empty every time so that they won't control you anymore. And he gave his all. And I'm like, he deserves that I give my all to him as well. The woman started out this way. She said, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm bringing everything to the table. And do you know what's beautiful about God? He does this. He says, you know what? Take that. Build a life. Enjoy it. Be happy. Be full of peace. Because you thought you put my kingdom first. Peace and joy. That just follows in everything you do automatically. But we have to do it the other way around. At the end of the story, Jesus said, this woman will be remembered Every time the gospel is preached. 2,000 years later tonight. At Prodeo Church in Cape Town. So far away from Israel. We remember a woman who broke open an alabaster jar. And poured out the oil over Jesus' head. People across the world is still telling her story. But you know whose else story 
we still remember the story of Judas, the man who betrayed Jesus, the man who sold his Savior for 30 pieces of silver. And you and I will be remembered one as well. And what will people remember you for? What will matter then? Yolanda's grandmother has been in ICU now for more than a week, two weeks about, yeah, two weeks. And she was like the, the cleanest person you would ever meet. Like she would walk into your house and she would climb on the little ladder and she would slide her finger over the top of your cupboard. And if there's dust on it, she will make you get up the step to clean the dust of that cupboard. And now that she's in ICU, her apartment is all messed up because the paramedics came in to take her out and they just threw everything around. Do you know what she asked? She didn't ask if her apartment is clean. She didn't ask if the hospital is clean. She didn't worry about going back and putting everything back in place. Because when you are at your deathbed, when you are at your end, whether your house is clean or not won't matter. When you're at your deathbed, all the millions you made will not matter. The car you drove you drive will not matter because you cannot hitch a little fender trailer to the back of your casket and drive that into your grave. At the end of your life, what will matter is the relationships that were significant with your God and your Creator and with the people around you. And I do not want to be remembered or the car I drove, or the house I own, or the church I started. I would like people to remember me as someone who followed Jesus passionately, with everything I had, without fear. And I hope tonight you're here and you're like, I've tried everything. It came up empty. I want to do life differently. I want to do it with Jesus, and I'm going to give my all. I want to tell you tonight, Jesus doesn't want you to be perfect. He doesn't want you to live a sinless life. He doesn't want you to be perfect, to never think a bad thing, to always keep your house in order. He just wants you to be all in with your mistakes, with your imperfections. He just wants you to be all in, and he will help with the rest. Let's pray. Jesus, you know that we try to find meaning and joy and hope and happiness in all kinds of things in life. And we try them all and we keep adding on and we keep filling up our time because we hope that the next thing might fill the gap in our lives. But at the end of the day, there is nothing and no one greater and holier and more beautiful than you. And I pray that our love for you, Jesus, would grow to the point where we can go all in, where we can break that jar that's keeping us back. 
so that we will give our best to you, the best of our time, the best of our talents, the best of our thoughts, the best of our finances, the best of our strength, that we will love you with everything we are. May we be remembered for that. Not for the poor we fed, the churches we started, or the money we made, but may we be remembered for people who went after Jesus with all we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi, I'm Louis Skippers, the lead pastor of Prodeo Church, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to this message today. If you felt inspired by it and you would like to see this continue, we would love to get some of your support. So follow one of the three links below. There's two for South African donors, one a Snapscan link and one our banking details. Or if you're an international listener, there's also a link for you to follow if you wanted to give. So from my side, thank you again and may God bless you. Hi, I'm Louis Skipper.